Welcome to Potadelphia. My name is Sarah Siders. You can find me on Twitter at Sarah Siders. And things are a little bit different tonight, as you can tell, because I'm the one speaking to you and not Dave. He's <laughs> under the weather. No COVID as far as we know so far. And all the things are happening in Philly sports. And I'm joined by one guy who is prepared to be miserable by the end of this podcast. Gene, how are you? Hey, Sarah. Hey, uh, all of you out there who are watching our uh, our feed, um, yeah, I mean, be miserable before the end of the podcast. I I hate to break it to you, I've sort of started this under uh, under a grumpy cloud. <laughs> yeah, um, offline, I believe that you said that you could be angry enough about the Eagles game for all of us. So um, I stand by that. <laughs> and we are going to start with the Eagles tonight. Um, for those who are listening to this on the recording and not streaming with us live, currently uh, the Phillies are at the top of the eighth against the Braves down 2 nothing, and their playoff hopes are more or less riding on this game and several following it. So we'll get to that once this game's over, um, but we're going to start with the Eagles and a game that we wish, you know, that, that we're grateful is over. One that uh, Jalen Hurts wants to flush down the toilet, very <laughs> eloquent, and one that Gene has strong feelings on. So, so Gene, what's your? Where do you want to start with that Eagles debacle? Is that fair to call it the debacle? Well, you you don't want to have your quarterback, who's number one, talking about taking a number two. That's not generally how you want a press conference to go. But um, I mean, that was a pretty apt description of sort of. The entire play of uh, of our uh, of our hometown eleven. Um, it was um, it was not good. It was not good last night, uh, and it was sort of not good from from the jump. Um, you know, Dallas goes and scores on their first possession. The Eagles uh, turn the ball over on their first possession, but you know they're able to sort of counter and get uh, get a fumble or uh, a phantom interception or whatever that turnover was, sort of. Uh, in the end zone by Fletcher Clocks, and that was sort of the uh, the high water mark for the Eagles. Was tied at seven in the first quarter, and um, it felt like from that point forward, um, they just weren't really ever in the game again. Um, did you have hope when it was tied at seven? Because I did. Even you know, despite the the level of play leading up to it, and you and Dave were far more pessimistic going to, into the game than I was. Sure. But when it was tied up at seven, I thought, okay, we we can dumb luck our way into this game and at least make it fun, at least make it competitive. And spoiler alert, neither of those things happened. It was not fun and it was not competitive. But tied up at seven, I still had hope. Did you have hope or did you already see the writing on the wall? Yeah, no, I, I think that I, I certainly had hope. And, you know, as the game sort of got closer... I, I never thought that the the game was going to be non-competitive. I thought that Dallas was probably the better team. I think that they certainly proved to be the better team in reality. But I think going in, I, I just didn't have this overconfidence that the Eagles are going to go in there and blow the doors off of Dallas. Uh, you know, that offense just has too many weapons, and the Eagles are still trying to figure out some things on the outside to contain those receivers. Um, I mean – Flat out, the Eagles have no ability to stop the run. They couldn't stop it in the first half of the Atlanta game. They didn't stop it against San Francisco. And Dallas could run the ball at will 
against the Eagles uh, with Troy Pollard and and Ezekiel Elliott. Um, th- they've got to figure that out. Uh, yeah, they. I mean, not only do they have to f- figure it out, they have to start somewhere. It's so deficient that e- even if they perform twice as well, we'd still be getting blown out due, due to a running game. And we just have to shout out Zeke for uh, for the ailing Dave DiOrio because probably his most hated guy in the NFL for on field top stuff. five. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we heard his name a lot on Monday way, night. Monday night, way more Can, than you wanted to hear. The other the other thing, you know, the the sort of the counter to the Dallas success running the game. Uh, the Eagles called three plays for their running back. How? Um, How? I've never even heard of that sort of a statistic in an NFL game where you you give the ball, you know, three handoffs to running backs. Um, if I'm Miles Sanders this morning, I think I'm uh, I'm at Nick's door and been like, what, what the hell, man? Like, uh, am I chopped liver? You know, <laughs> it'd be one thing if the Eagles were were injured at running back. Um, you know, that's this kind of thing where, like, if you were in a, a position like maybe Baltimore's in where you're on your fourth or fifth running back, guys that weren't even in camp with you, uh, maybe you would see a, a statistic where you don't run the ball more than, you know, even, you know, 10 times seems way too low for me, but three is just, like, inexcusable. Um, I know you were sort of chasing the game basically since uh, basically since kickoff, but, you know, the Eagles do have talent at the running back position. It's, it's, it seems just ridiculous to not try to set yourself up with some shorter yardage situations where you're not always second and eight, second and 11, third and 14. Um, you know, that would have been one way to help yourself. They kept doing those sort of run pass options. Jalen Hurts was extending them. Um, and it's one of those things where, and I'm sure we're going to talk about this probably more in depth, but the way it was, what was happening was you kept having these these same penalties called over and over again. And I think if you weren't paying attention to what was being called, you might have missed what was really the the problem. It was that they were being the, these run pass options were being called, and the you know the offensive linemen should have to make their block, and then they sort of have to get downfield. And Hertz was extending these plays, and so that by the time he's actually making the decision to throw the ball, the offensive lineman was already. Uh, you know, in an illegal position. And that kept happening. I think I, there was at least three of them. Um, you know, and that's sort of on the quarterback. You you have to know the timing of that play in order for it to not result in a penalty. It's the same thing with the other offensive linemen having to sort of get used to the cadence to, to not have false starts. Um, there was the... Um, I I real saw, quick, real quick, Gene, I want to put a little of that on Sirianni as well. Mm-hmm. You know, it's there's no preseason anymore with we've established it. And this year was as bad as any year, no preseason. And when it keeps happening, you have to help your quarterback out. You know, it's hurts first year as a a true starter. He was, he came in in relief of Carson last year. But if you see the same problem happening over and over again, it's on you to, to stop it and, and to help him out a little. And that's where, you know, if you start to give the ball to your running back, that can help. Obviously, you've got a, an offensive line that likes to be aggressive. They like to run block. They like to hit people. Um, they aren't necessarily in their, um, 
you know, in their groove when they are are backing up. So let them hit people. Let them let them go downfield. Let them run block. Um, and haven't yeah, and know, haven't we been having this? Thing. Sorry, what's going to say? Haven't we been having the same conversation since Andy Reid? Mm-hmm. You know, you thought, okay, Andy Reid's gone. We're not going to have to go. Please run the ball. Please run the ball to at least keep the the other side honest. And I forget the Chip Kelly area uh, <laughs> error. I mean, we might have run, but then he'd or get the, rid the of Chip, Chip Kelly anomaly. Yeah. <laughs> And then we bring in Doug, and it's the same thing over again. It's just like, please run the ball. It's like I know you need the yardage. I know you're 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 fighting to come back, but you have to run just to to get more success throwing the ball, which the Eagles weren't having. You know, it's not like it's not like we were picking them apart and go, well, the running game we're not even trying. But thank God the 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 passing games working no that wasn't working either so what do you have to lose to run the ball more than three times that's that's outrageous and yeah, i that's... know he's a he's a rookie head coach but i mean i i've never coached a football game i would know to run it more than three times how can how can you not yeah how i mean they, they often you... talk about trying to stay on schedule and and you're not going to do that. You're not going to sustain drives and stay on schedule. You're not going to have ball control if, you know, you can't run the ball. That's how you, that's how you maintain drives. That's how you maintain, you know, that's how you run the clock. That's how you stay in games. That's how you chew up, you know, big chunks of the quarter is by, you know, by running the ball, Uh, you know, and you don't do yourself any favors when you commit as many penalties as the Eagles do. They had mm-hmm. a game against Atlanta, I think, where they 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 made twelve. You know, they committed twelve penalties, but Atlanta committed like fourteen. So, and that's week one. And I think I said after that game, you're not going to beat a lot of teams when you're committing twelve penalties. Well, I think in this game they ended up committing fourteen, or maybe fifteen. <sighs> but either way, you, that, you know, that amount of times where you are you are committing. You know, either you're giving the other team first downs or giving the other offense first downs uh, or you're stopping your own drives or putting yourself in in long yarded situations by committing penalties. That's something that you can absolutely work on. That's something that is within your control. Committing penalties is something that you can control. If you go in and lose a game 41 nothing and don't commit a penalty. Uh, you know, maybe I can be a little bit more forgetting. You go and lose a, a game 41. What was the final? 41-14 or whatever. You you lose a game 41-14 and commit 14 penalties. Uh, you know, I, it's hard to make excuses for you and say that you're a, a team that's making its best effort. Um, maybe it was maybe it was emotion, but you've got to be able to get those things in check and 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 not commit bonehead penalties that 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 make you fall short. Yeah, most penalties in franchise history through the first three games. And that trend doesn't pop up out of nowhere. After two after two games, we all saw that they had an issue committing penalties. You know you're going into Dallas, Monday Night Football. And I want to get back to Monday Night Football in a moment. Eh, we'll get to that at the end. We'll get to that at the end because there's something fun there. And we, we want to be miserable for a little bit. Um but a prime time, you know, all eyes on you game, and you have a glaring problem, and 
either seemingly don't address it or however you chose to address it was so feckless <laughs> that you went on to take another 14 penalties. Mm -hmm. It's walking away from this game. I'm left. I don't know if I have more questions, but I, I don't have any more optimism. And you know, I my expectations were still low for this season. They're they're they've gotten locked in low now. But the you wanted to see something. You wanted to see something that you can build on. Something and go. Okay, Jalen's the real deal. You know, maybe maybe we got embarrassed, but we know we have our franchise quarterback. And I'm I, I'm not prepared to say he's not our franchise quarterback, but he. He he didn't add many things to the pros column th this week. You know he added he added more doubts and didn't take away any. Um, Sirianni, it's only his third game, but he he had a really bad game. He, he had a no no doubt about it. He had a atrocious game. It all the whole team did. The whole team did. The whole team did. And you would like to see some adjustment at halftime. You would like to see just locking it down. Go, okay, we're going to stop the run. We're going to stop the run. We're going to make them beat us passing, which they certainly could have. But try to take something away from them. Try to try to make, make an impact, if not even for that game, for the next game. But it just didn't happen. And, yeah, you, you burn the tape. You, you flush it down the toilet or whatever, but can you tell I'm not a fan of potty humor? Because I, I, I've had to like wince both times I say flush it down the toilet. And I think well, it's just the emoji. Strange, it was just such a strange, I mean, like I get what you were going for, but like, I, I don't know that I've ever heard that sort of candor out of a, yeah, out of a starting quarterback. Burn the tape doesn't have the, uh, the, the dirty connotation with it. So burn the tape and move on. But ugh, like there, there's nothing you're going to go back to. You go like, Hey, let's build on this. At least not that I could say. And it's Dallas. At least it wasn't Dallas at our home. It was Dallas away. So that's some small condolence. And it's the most points that, I think Dallas has scored on us in like 10 years or something too. That tracks, you know, as, as, you know, well, the Eagles have won the Super Bowl, but right. as much up and down, as many up and down seasons as the Eagles have had the last decade, beating Dallas has been pretty consistent for us. And that's that's always been a high point. You know, Gene, I think you always say the classic line of the Eagles could win two games. And as long as they're both against Dallas, I'd be happy. Yeah, it'd be a successful season. Yeah, but we're already in the hole for that. You know. Talking about Monday Night Football, I was so looking forward to the game to be able to watch without distractions. You know, it's a late night game. I don't like staying up too late, but to know that I don't have to worry about the kids. You know, I don't have other stuff on my plate that I'm trying to accomplish during the day that I could just sit down and commit myself to the Eagles. And by the time everything got settled and I went to sit down and commit myself to the Eagles. The game was practically over. Yeah. You know, so it really took a lot of the fun out of, out of the Monday night game. So do you, do you usually, do you think that Monday night football has sort of lost its, its magic? 
Uh, I mean, I'll, I'll tell you that I, I truly do look much more forward to the Sunday night game. Uh, and I feel like Sunday night this season has given you us a lot of really good games. Um, most of the primetime games in general have been good because that Tampa Bay Dallas game uh, week one was a pretty good primetime game. Um, but yeah, uh, Monday night just does not have that cachet it did. You know, when I was a kid, I used to, you know, because it was past my bedtime, but you used to be able to tune in on an FM radio, the uh, the audio feed from 6ABC. Mm-hmm. So I remember as a kid, you know, I just used to listen to um, to the to the TV call through the radio. And that's sort of how I really started to be able to pick apart <laughs> announcers because, you know, if you if you can't and if you can't call a game on the radio, you know, then it's not going to make any sense. Um, you know, the the classic um, Frank Gifford and stuff like that. That team was always a good a good crew for Monday night. Um, but you know, it was a big deal. I remember mm-hmm. when we had season tickets to the vet. Um, one of the things I really wanted was to be able to go to a Monday night game with my dad because that seemed like the most adult thing you could possibly <laughs> possibly do to to go to a Monday night football game when you've got school the next day and you know the game's not even starting until 8 30 um you know and you usually go to bed at 9 30 um so unfortunately we gave up tickets before I was able to go um, oh that's on the season tickets but my dad and I went and saw we we did go to a Monday night game uh at the link years later so it's not like you know it's not like a bucket list thing that I'm trying to chase but um <laughs> You know, that was sort of a big deal. And I just don't think that it carries the same weight that it used to, where it was the marquee matchup. I think that sort of slid over to to Sunday night or even really honestly, sometimes that four o'clock game on Sunday, especially if you've only got like one or two. Usually I think that that's where you'll find your marquee matchup for uh, for the week. But maybe that's uh, honestly, maybe, I don't know. I don't know how you feel about Monday night football in general. The same, the same. Um, it used to be the game. It used to be the one that it, you got all your homework done. You you settled in. You, I would watch the the first little bit with my parents, and then escape up to my room, take the Walkman, dial the all the way back. Mm-hmm. It was eighty eight something or other. It was yeah. way at the other end mm-hmm. of the dial, and listen to it as well. And it was the game. It was, I hate to say it's a simpler time because it makes it sound so long ago, but it was what everyone was watching because the cable television just wasn't as prevalent. But now it's not only overshadowed by the Sunday night game, which I think has replaced it as the marquee game, then the late Sunday game, which was always great. I always always love a good late Sunday game after an Eagles win. Typically, mm-hmm. that's that's really the best when you're riding high against it and you're like, OK, what's the the late national game? And you can relive the Eagles win and go into an exciting game there. You know, even before the days of Twitter, of before Facebook, before w- people got together and talked to the game, talked about the game digitally um, before before that happened it still felt good knowing that everyone was watching this one game. Uh, I do want to say hi to Tracy, who's tuning in from South Florida. I hope you enjoy the show. Keep watching. Um, But it loses a little something 
with a Sunday night game, having that flexibility to pick a marquee matchup, to flex into it. And then also that Thursday night game too, because it's we've had a break from football. People like to start their weekend early on Thursday, you know? Mm-hmm. So if you stay up for the game and you're a little crusty going into work on Friday, well, it's Friday. You just got to get through one day and you're back on the weekend. So I really think of the marquee games during a week, Monday night football might be fourth. It really yeah. might after after Thursday night and and Sunday night. But there's something that makes it a little appealing, um, something a little different. Gene, did you enjoy the Manning cast? Uh, I didn't actually watch any of the Manning cast for this game. Um, I have watched it for some of the other games, and I do like it. But um, I went, and probably I should have, uh, about halfway through, turned over to that to try to keep myself entertained. But um, no, I... um, I hung through with the regular broadcast. It's sort of like one of those things where I felt like for an Eagles Dallas game, I don't need any any shtick. I just need mm-hmm. just need the game. Um, so um, plus, I was watching with my pop, so uh, I don't necessarily have. I still don't have seniority. Literally, it's in the name <laughs> of the junior, uh, the junior partner. So uh, I don't have necessarily the same uh, sway as far as what. Uh, what broadcast we watch, especially when it comes to an Eagles game, he he still maintains full authority of the remote in that in that case. So, uh, was there anything that came out of the Manning cast this week that uh, that jumped out at you? Did you did you watch any? I only watched a little bit myself. I watched enough to get a feel for it, but it is frivolous. It's fun. I think it'd be a great thing to watch in a game you don't care about. Um which the Eagles game quickly became. (laughs) Um, And as much as Eli and Peyton were pains in the ass um, during their playing career, watching them interact on television, they're really compelling guys. It is a very fun watch. I probably will be checking out the Manning cast more often on Monday night than the regular broadcast because I cannot stand the Monday night broadcast crew. Um, but for the Eagles game, it wasn't, I wasn't in a jovial mood. I was not there to have fun, but I love that it exists. I want more of that. I was going to say, do you think that this is going to open up some other opportunities to see, um, alternative commentary or alternative broadcasts for other NFL games, other, maybe even other sports? Could you, could you see this working in hockey and, um, if it was in hockey, um, you know, who would be your equivalent of the Manning brothers to watch, um, you know, talk about a game in a less formal way? You know, would you want to see like a, a Gretzky and Messier uh, broadcast? I, I'm trying to think of who I would want to sit and um, and and watch, a, you know, talk about hockey. You know, Gretzky is a great call, not to speak, and no pun intended, no pun intended there, but Gretzky is an excellent call because he's a real hockey dork. For for lack of a better phrase, Gretzky loves the game. He loves the history of the game. He knows it inside and out, and he wants to talk about it. So he might not be good with the jokes, but he's going to have stories. Um, His 
most recent book, I don't know if he's written more than one. I'm just assuming he's written more than one, but it was 99 stories of the game by 99, and I'm butchering the title, and I don't care. But his most recent book is a really interesting read because it talks about the history of the game, and it gives some of his perspective on it. So Gretzky would be a really good choice. The problem with hockey players is that they don't have much of a personality. Um, everyone is placing all of our hopes on PK Subban for whenever he retires because he is quick witted. He is charming. He has a lot of personality when going to, uh, you know, Keith Jones, give me Keith Jones because we don't get to Jones. What's what I, I said? I guess maybe he's just in studio at the moment, right? Well, I think he's going to be on the TNT broadcast and he's going to be in between the benches, I, I think, or or rinkside. But he's going to be down there. And you get so much personality from Jonesy, not on the broadcast. So this alternative broadcast, you know, Gretzky and, and Jonesy talking about the game together. I, they're from even the same uh, hometown. There we go. Oh, Gene, you and I are pitching this to TNT. Let's so do it. Let's write it up. We'll, we'll, we'll find yeah. an elevator and we'll pitch it. Damn straight. Or, I mean, if Charles Barkley is watching, call us. We'll we'll make this work. We'll make this work. Um, Gene, any last thoughts on the, the Eagles game or the Monday night broadcast? Um I feel I feel like um the Eagles are, are sort of uh, up against a real buzzsaw this week. Uh I don't know um what your thoughts are, but the one thing, uh, other than being an Eagles fan this week, I was a real big Kansas City Chiefs fan because um, I really didn't want to come off uh, two losses from Kansas City and have to face them. Uh, I didn't want to face a Chiefs team with that talent coming off of two losses and uh, their backs against the wall. Uh, it's it's very possible that that offense will put up. 30 points in the first quarter against the Eagles. I think they're going to be foaming at the mouth. I think they're going to have a real head of steam coming into this game. I don't know that Kansas City is quite uh, the juggernaut they were the last couple of years, but um, they still are just so stacked with 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 talent. Um, so uh, yeah, they're a hell of, they're a hell of a lot better than the uh, better than the Eagles. There, it's yeah, the it's fact not that they're both close. coming into this game one and two is very very misleading. Um, Do we know how Andy Reid is doing? Because he went to the uh, hospital. Everything I've heard is that he he is okay. Um, I don't know that they've released a lot more information other than um, that he was all right. I mean, it could have been something as simple as dehydration. Apparently, he did speak to the team before uh, he went to the hospital, sort of his post-game uh, chat. So I don't know if if it was something that they just wanted to get him fluids in him. I don't. I mean, Andy Reid doesn't strike me as the type of guy that's just always good with his uh with his water bottle and making sure that he gets his fluids. Uh, call me crazy. The man gave us pickle juice. He should be better with that. He really should. He really should. So I don't. And, I mean, you know, I, I'm sort of always going to have a, a little soft spot for for Big Red. So I, I hope I hope the best. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna same thing for the Eagles next week. I'm gonna hope for the best. But it's very hard to go into this game optimistic, um, you know. And you're look if you're looking down the barrel of one and three. I know the schedule starts to get easier, but man, oh man, does that 
sort of put you in a in a hole where you need to really rattle off some wins at some point. Um, yeah, and and there's nothing as fun as that first week was. The the following two have not have not given us any hope or confidence that they can really rally back from from a one in three record. You know, well, it really kills you that they sort of had that San Francisco game. You know, not under control, but they certainly they were certainly in that game. And mm-hmm. for most, or, you know, and for the first half they looked real dominant. But when you give up, you know, some of the plays that they gave up and make some of the decisions that they did, you know, it all sort of snowballs. And now you know you're looking at a very dangerous Kansas City team that's coming into your building who uh, is playing for a hell of a lot. You know, I mean, that's a team that's in a division that looks like it's going to there's not really a weak link. Um, Kansas City is all alone in last place in that division. And there's, uh, you know, an undefeated Denver team out there right now. So um, it, it, it's a wild it's a wild situation. The Eagles find themselves in. Uh, I hope I still think that they're they could be a seven win team. I really hope that 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 holds true. And um, we'll see. You know, I just want to start to see more positives. Yeah, um, and really want to see them sort of turn things around. Yeah, I want to get back into that mindset that I had before the season started. Of show me what you got. I, I'm here. You you show me what you got, and and then we'll meet in the middle, and I'll adjust my expectations and adjust the way I enjoy the game. So a, I don't even want to say a good showing. Give me a damn fluky win against the Chiefs, but I I don't see it happening. So just something to keep their season interesting for longer because too many seasons around here in Philadelphia end too soon. Yeah, they're and, before they've really gotten started. Yeah, and for so many years, that's the case for the Philadelphia Phillies. Now, tonight, their playoff lives are hanging on by a string, and they'll, they might be over in just a few moments. But they kept it interesting until practically October. And that's a big improvement over years past. I'm not ready to to call this a, a moral victory at all because we shouldn't be in this position. How many how many blown saves? Last I heard it was 30, but then I stopped counting. Yeah, I think um, it's into the mid-30s now. Jesus Christ. It convert what five of those? Yeah. And you know, the, you don't the even, we don't are, even need to convert half. Uh, you know, if we convert twenty five percent, we're in better shape. Certainly, um, certainly. And the oh, the Phillies have uh, life. Um, we're not doing live commentary, but it might change the the tenor of the conversation. Uh, second, third, one out, top of the ninth. So down by two. There is a chance. There is a chance the Phillies season might not be over. So. Let's put them on the back burner. We'll see what happens. We'll we'll get back to them. Gene, you want to talk a little flyers? Yeah, yeah, actually I do because I think what training camp started uh last Thursday. It did. It did. Training camp started last Thursday. Uh tonight was the first preseason game. Um last I saw that preseason game was tied 2-2. I did not see the ending because well we're doing this and the Phillies are doing whatever they're doing. Hmm. But talk about two different levels of expectations you know the eagles it was i'll take whatever the flyers they they addressed all their problems they have very few excuses all they need to do now is go out and win and they they're facing an uphill battle with a a lot of the injuries 
Now, I, I believe we talked about last show, just as a quick rundown, Kevin Hayes, out six to eight weeks. Sam Moran, out six to eight weeks. Um, Wade Allison, out indefinitely. So well, those are three big Sam hits. Sam Moran injury was sort of, uh, as we were talking about, that that was sort of built into the the thought process of the year. You know what I mean? That wasn't, this wasn't sort of, like unexpected, if that makes any sense. You know, I mean, there was sort of a because uh, he went in to have that's he's the one that went in to have that maintenance surgery, I guess, on his knee, right? He did, he did. He was expected to be the the seventh man um, coming into uh, coming into the the season, um, the seventh D man. I mean, right. so he's not he's not a, a big loss per se. You just more or less feel bad for the guy, but. The, the biggest is Hayes um, being out. That was unexpected. Uh, Kevin Hayes spoke to the media at length. Watch it. He did a, a sit-down interview with Taryn Hatcher where he addressed the, the loss of his brother. For those that don't know, his older brother, Jimmy Hayes, passed away suddenly. And tragically, I think there's there's been no cause, and I don't think it's... I think it was just a fluke thing, as far as we all know, right. at 31. Um, and Kevin talks about the outpouring of love from the hockey community and what it's meant to him. But it is a, it is a rough watch. That dude is suffering. And then the injury on top of it, he is hanging around. He is hanging around um, the team to, to be active, to be a part of it as part of maybe the, the grieving the mourning process. But... You know, he, he's got a lot on his shoulders. Um, trying to step into his place is uh, Morgan Frost. Um, and he is looking good. Uh, Frost has had injury history himself. He had lost all of last season to injury when he had gotten the opportunity to join the team. And it's... He has looked so, uh, so far so good in both rookie camp and in the training camp itself. He did not play in tonight's preseason game. He'll be playing uh, Thursday in Boston. Carter Hart did play tonight. Carter Hart looking good, looking good. It's way too early to say, but he's he was showing a lot of Carter Hart-like tendencies for what I got to see. He tracked the puck well. He he wasn't afraid to be aggressive. He, uh, his, his positioning was great. So I saw a lot of good things from Carter Hart, uh, gives us a lot of optimism. Thursday really is a very interesting for game, uh, for me. I really want to see how, um, Rasto Ristolainen, um, looks with the, the rest of this team and to see if he can make that jump. I want to see how Frost looks with the rest of the team and if he can make that jump. One preseason game doesn't tell you everything, but it's going to tell us a lot. It's going to tell us enough to, to, to know where it might be trending. So eh, I, it, it's overstating the sales, say a lot, but it, it gives us the pieces to, to start knowing what to look out for and what to be optimistic for. I was going to say, the, the, the whole tenor of, of what we're saying, it does seem like you've got a lot of optimism going into the season, which... Um, you know, that sort of reassures me because last season left sort of a bitter taste in my mouth. That was not the team that I expected uh, to see. And um, when they sort of 
trailed off there. Um, you know, it was disappointing to see them not sort of live up to the expectations that I had going into the season. They had had a sort of a good run in the playoffs the year before and to sort of come out and, you know, not even make the playoffs the following year was, I don't know how else you can categorize it other than disappointment. Oh, it was a tremendous disappointment. Um, last season, and from the very beginning, when they were winning in ways that weren't really sustainable to a absolutely abysmal March, it last season was just a disaster. And that was one where the season was over really before it began. You know, we, we had two months of hanging around and then by March it was all done. And a lot of that fell on the shoulders of the kids. They, you know, Chuck Fletcher handed them the baton and said, run with it. They proceeded to immediately drop it. And, <laughs> and we never recovered. We're not going to have that problem this year. You know, uh, tonight, I know one of the goal scorers, it was at least initially uh, credited to Igor Zamula. And he has filled out some. I want to see more from him to see how he does in a, in a physical game. Um, but he has filled out some, which was a, a big problem for him as last season. He just was getting pushed around by the the men uh, in that in that league. And Cam York is another one to keep an eye on. So they don't need to jump in, but we have them if they're needed or if they're ready. If they're pounding down the door, we can say to somebody like a Keith Yandel, "Hey." Sorry, sorry, dude, you got to step aside. You know, right. we can say something to even a brawn, even though I think that's unlikely. I can't see both York and Zamula making the jump uh, up to the bigs. So the, the team has a lot of depth. Derek Broussard um, is, has, gives us center depth, which turns out we needed. Nate Thompson, center depth, which turns out we needed. And yeah, so the, the Flyers have depth, their season is starting, and the Phils pretty much just ended. The Phils just lost to the Atlanta Braves 2-2-1, and that puts us three and a half games behind. I believe the the tragic number is two. If we yeah, lose I, I think if we if we don't we don't win the next two, it, it really it's really over. But um, yeah, I, th I think if we lose one more game, um, it is well, it, it without help, without a lot of help, and br the Braves cost uh, coughing away their season. I mean, really, this this tonight was a playoff game, you know, you it was Zach Wheeler going, uh, and to only score one run and not score it until the ninth inning. Um, it, it's it, you know, it, it's sort of a microcosm of the entire the entire season you know what i mean when you get decent pitching and you and you can't hit when when with the bases in the in the late innings it's it's frustrating this like we were saying earlier the the phillies really did try to keep us interested um for a lot longer probably than um we should have been by any rights but um again it's looking like another another season where we're not going to play off baseball in philadelphia and um you know that's just it's just not it's just getting old like You've got, you know, we're talking. This is going to be year four of Bryce Harper. He, he, yep. without a doubt, put up uh, MVP numbers. Um, 
you know, and it's sort of one of those things that Dave always talks about. You, you, you know, you can't build from your corner outfielder positions necessarily and have a winning, a winning team. Although a guy like Bryce Harper is going to do his damnedest to sort of put you on his back if he can. Um, and, and he came you know, damn close on him. The problem was the same problem you went into this season with, and that's the most frustrating part. You came into this season knowing that you had a problem at the back end of the bullpen. You had a problem being able to close down games. You had a problem being able to get saves. You had a problem with um, depth in your starting pitching. Um, how many bullpen games in July, August, and September had this team have to go through? You're not going to be able to sustain if your every fifth day starter is four guys from the bullpen. That mm -hmm. is not going to be a winning formula. Um yeah, and the bullpen only uh, improved from atrocious to adequate this season. You know, and what am I even saying? We had the I was going to say 30, you, 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 30, 30 some blown saves is not what I would call adequate. Especially no, no, like you're going to be you're going to finish within 6 games of the playoffs. Within yeah. 5 games of the playoffs. Yeah, and the the fact that I considered the bullpen improved despite that no, those numbers just I don't know. There's some talent there, but no, they really did cost us the the season. I mean, center field, uh, a doable, uh, a doable, whatever turned out to be okay for stretches, but we never had a great answer there. It's the bats went cold with no answers and. You know, I Not think they made a good move at the at the at the deadline, bringing in Gibson. Um, I think he really did sort of shore up um, a, a, a rotation spot. But the problem was, I, I feel like he surpassed Aaron Nola, which was not what he was brought in here to do. Yeah. Um, you know, how many games did we need Nola to really step up and 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 lock a game down? And he just didn't have. You know, there was he was just too inconsistent. It's the reason why Aaron Nola is not an ace. He's yep. just not consistent. He has every conceivable pitch, you know, to, to, to make up an ace's repertoire. He just can't put it all together every fifth day the way that he needs to, um, you know, which would make him a really solid three, maybe in a staff. But, you know, again, the Phillies, you know, you're, you, you, how many times have we tried out Vince Velasquez this year, earlier in the year, trying to figure out our, 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 our fifth starter or Matt Moore, uh, you know, there's just, there were just too many holes in this boat. Uh, and still, even with that, you, you, you get this far, you know, I hope that the, the management doesn't see this as uh, a stay the course sign. You know, we were so close. Let's stay the course. We were almost there. No, the Braves were decimated by injury. That's the only reason they fell back to the pack. This wouldn't even we wouldn't even be having this conversation if the Braves had stayed healthy. Um, the Mets had to have an even bigger epic collapse than the Phillies um, yep. in order to put us in this position. And Washington sold off all of their talent in the Marlins or the Marlins. Um, that's how the division should have shaked up as, as it was. You were in position this year had you constructed the roster correctly in the in the offseason to capitalize on how this all went down. It really should have ended up being the Phillies and the Braves um, pushing for 95 wins or 90 wins. Um, 
the Phillies are going to finish with the win total right around where I expected. They're going to be right around 84 wins, I think. It's probably around where they may finish. But it's not enough. It's not enough, especially when you have two teams on the West Coast that are going to have 100 wins. Um, yeah. You're just not good enough. You're not there. You're not competing. Um, and yeah, it's, how many, it's frustrating. How many losses to bad teams have we had in key positions where, where okay, fine, we, we beat the Dodgers, yay, and then we give all those games back against the Diamondbacks? We have a stretch of the worst team in baseball by far, and then the Pirates, and we cough up two games. Now, it would have been it would have been unreasonable to say that the Phillies should win all of them, but they should have swept one of those series. The easier one to sweep would have been Baltimore, so you should have done that, but oh, you that, didn't. But I mean, that Diamondback series on the road where you dropped four games to the Diamondbacks, it's just yeah. unexcusable. Yeah, you win those four games. It's a lot. Well, you win two. You win two. It's a lot different. It's so many blown opportunities, so many blown saves. Also, does anyone come back from the Lehigh Valley better? Do we it go, hey, go feel like it. No, no, it's not like go down there, work on your game. Like go down there, wait out your COVID or whatever, and then come back up. You know, it. It's so incredibly frustrating. It's so incredibly frustrating that they were unable to 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 seize hold of this opportunity that was gifted to them. Well, and now, I mean, the thing is, the mo that's most frustrating is these are the things that bit us a year ago. Yep. You know, you knew you had a problem with the bullpen, and they they changed, they shuffled the deck, the the faces. Uh, changed but the problem remained you know what i mean you i don't know where the solution lies but um some they they just maybe they can't evaluate bullpen arms i, I don't know i mean it, it just seems so ridiculous that they cannot figure out a way to sort of solve this problem they're gonna take another crack at it in this offseason um you know i can't even say that they sort of went on the cheap but like no what 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 are you know I, I I don't envy the position that the general manager is going to be in this this offseason, but if there isn't a significant improvement between this year and next year in the bullpen, um, you know I mean like this is one of those things where you've got to have it in red, uh, you know double underlined and highlighted that like you need to fix the bullpen, you need to be able to support your starting staff, you need to play better defense, you know mm -hmm. you you cannot continue to give games away due to self-inflicted wounds you can't yeah and i think two things need to happen the phillies need to decide what sort of team they want to be is it win now or rebuild for the future we we don't have enough assets to do both not right now and no. i think with the the contract harper is under with you know best catcher in baseball but for how long uh, with the contract Romito's under, to me it's saying win now. And I, you have to go look across the street to the Wells Fargo Center, see what Chuck Fletcher did, and go. The the Phillies damn well have an off season like the Flyers did, and not just moves for the sake of making moves to make the right moves. Or and we don't know the the Flyers could 
completely shit the bed again this season. But I want the consensus to be the Phillies need bullpen help. They address their bullpen help. The the Phillies need more consistent bats. They need younger bats. They need they need talent. They they desperately need talent. And we can't do it on the cheap. You know, the Phillies have spent money, but they're gotta pay that that luxury tax next season. I mean, I, I would love it if you know they didn't. If they, if they could or somehow, or if you're not, help. then you need to make sure that you get the right young talent in. There, there may be other ways to do it, and that's that's. But how do you know? How do we get the right young talent? Have to evaluate the right talent. The problem is that they've never really replenished this farm system. They 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 are not developing star players at the rate that other teams are. They just aren't. They are not developing not only good players, but other teams are developing guys that are generational talents and therefore having them when they are under control in their early parts of their career. You, you're not going to win by having to go out and shop for already made stars because you're going to be paying a premium and they've already got those pieces. This is where you need to figure out ways to make this work by finding the right pieces that you need to add to this team. Maybe a guy like Freddie Galvis is going to be a good piece to keep around. Um, but maybe it's time that you move away from, I mean, I, I like Didi Gregorius, but I don't know that his defense is really going to be able to fly on this team anymore. You know, yeah. and his bat is just not enough to keep him around. Um, what are we going to do about third base? You know, we all thought that Alec Bohm was going to be the, be the man and it, it, he just did not seize that that opportunity center field we've been talking about that for how long now it's time to really figure out a, a, an actual center fielder and do you want that to be a player that's going to be you know have a premium on defense or is this somebody that you want to put uh to be your next leadoff man uh, andrew mccutcheon is is not you know whatever Kutch you is done i love touch but cut is done yeah I, I mean this is not this is his farewell tour you know, you're not building the team around Andrew McCutcheon. Um, you know, you have – it's very obvious. You can talk to any Phillies fan sitting in left field last week at Citizens Bank Park, and they could have told you what you need to do in this offseason. They could have drawn up the offseason shopping list for you. So it's not that it's not known. Now is the time – and I hope that they've been working on this all year. Now is the time to go and really figure out, okay, we thought we could get by with some duct tape and, you know, shoe shine. But, um, no, it's time that you really – and last year was all about keeping JT, and you did that. He's now under yeah. control. Yeah, there better be a war room being set up over at Citizens Bank Park right now. Yeah, I – the Phillies could still get lucky, but we'd have, we have to help ourselves. The Phillies more or less have to win out – and and the Mets have to do us a favor, and the Braves have one other game in there too. But it's but tonight was a playoff game. Tonight it was. was a playoff game, and you yeah. didn't win. You didn't you know win, I mean? and, and that's didn't... the thing is you're going to be in a position where you're probably going to be in a one game playoff game. You know, every night this week, we all knew after the day off yesterday, every night this week was going to be basically a playoff game. Um, you know, the most not anymore. Game. And that's the thing is to, to have them come out and just not 
get momentum in that game when you've got Wheeler going. To lose a game two to one, it's not even like they had the doors blown off them. You just didn't get anything going against Charlie Morton. Nothing but soft contact. It's just not. It's just not going to go. You know what I mean? You you need to generate some offense in a game where you need to have it. You've got to show that you want it more than that other team. Yeah. How many men stranded on base tonight? I don't know. It seems like a lot, though. Yeah, and I mean baseball. Baseball is a game of failure. So I mean, guys get stranded on base all the time, but. The Phillies had a lot more to play for tonight than the Braves, and you can't just you can't make it so childlike to say, "Well, the, you have to want it more," but you have to want want it more than that. Yeah. You know, after tonight's effort, that didn't look like a team that that had their future in front of them. You know, even if somehow, somehow, and I don't believe it's going to happen, even if somehow the Phillies win the next two against the Braves. That's a lot different feeling than let's say we won the first two against the Braves and lost the third. You know, it's I, it, it would take a miracle for the Phillies to make the playoffs now, whereas a few things different, it really wouldn't have. It really wouldn't have. And just the the lack of urgency, the bats that were silent for it, I think I heard it was 17 innings, and then we had a couple more on top of that. It's it's just unacceptable. And Joe Girardi, fantastic resume, dude. But you gotta start showing it here. You, you gotta yeah. start showing, you know. Huh, yeah, I don't know. A guy whose reputation is that he's a great manager of the bullpen. Um, I think he's his bullpen is totaling somewhere in the neighborhood of seventy blown saves um, over two years. That's 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 and not this- that's not good. And gee, we talked about the personnel, but missed managed too. How many times have we've been chatting over text or Slack or whatever, and everyone can see why the hell are you pulling him now? Right. Or why the hell don't you have somebody up in the pen? And it's really easy to, to say hindsight's 2020, but we had it with foresight. You know, we're watching the game going you got to be better. You have to manage your assets better. And he, he didn't, he didn't. And as much fun as it was for the, the Phillies to remain interesting till this point of the season, it just hurts. It's, it just points to how utterly incompetent the Phillies have been since, since what? 2010, yeah. 2011. Yeah. Since and Ryan Howard, blew out his his ACL. I mean that's really yeah. his or his Achilles. That's that was the end. That was the end. But hey, you know, spring training hope springs anew as they say. Oh um, Jesus. You know, tomorrow I, we can I, start the countdown to, to catchers and to pitchers and catchers. Um I, I I can't start the pitchers and catchers yet. Do speaking of end, do you want to end on something fun? Always. And this is not a setup to the penalty box, guys. I saw the look of dread in your face. But we're going to talk about the Sixers. We're not going to talk about more Ben drama because there'll be more next week. Um, he hates everybody here. He he doesn't like you. I'm sorry. He doesn't. He he, well, he doesn't want to play. It, it's 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 funny because it just seems like every day you read whatever the new reason why Ben doesn't ever want to be a Sixer again. You know, it was the fans. It was. Um, uh, it was 
was the it was the coach uh, this week. Um, it was uh, or today it was that he doesn't feel like his game can play with Joel and Beads. Um, oh, I'm I'm sorry. The the Sixers made the decision to to base their their offense around the best player and uh, and an MVP candidate. Whoops, sorry. Uh, instead of basing it around a guy who doesn't want to shoot. Whoops, sorry. The Potadelphia uh, Facebook account, which I'm assuming is Dave, because not Gene or I. <laughs> the Potadelphia yeah. Facebook account says the Phillies got us to the Eagles, and the Eagles got us to Sixers Media Day. Which really is what we have to hope for every year. Yeah, just just get us to the next entertaining thing. Um, big news out of the Sixers. Uh, some historic news for Philadelphia. Um Great Scott, we have Kate Scott, and she's taking over the the booth mm-hmm. for the Sixers, taking over play by play. Really she excited will... about this, honestly. Really, really excited about this. Good. I know I am, but I mean, I'm the target audience, I guess. But um, I, I'm happy to hear you're excited too. It's mm-hmm. it's about damn time, you know. Just our our city deserves a little more broader representation, no pun intended, a uh, broader representation of the fan base. So more people can see people like themselves and hear people like themselves covering the games they love. So I'm, I'm really excited to, to, to see her call games. Well, you know, you're, you were going to have to be replacing zoom and anybody that was going to come into that, um, that chair was going to be sort of filling big shoes. Um, I think I like the idea of being able to hear something that is completely different. Um, really completely different than what you'll hear on any other NBA broadcast. It sort of is. Um, but I have heard some really great uh, calls done for basketball games by female announcers, a lot of which get done in the WNBA. Um I don't know how much of the WNBA you've you've watched. I, I I've watched um a little. Uh, you know, I'm not. I, I really suffer from the fact that Philadelphia doesn't have a franchise. Um, and and that's a frustrating thing. Uh, I am sort of an unabashed homer when it comes to uh to what I watch and and not having that sort of link to uh, a team. It's tough. You know what I mean? Like, who, who am I going to root for? You know, I'm going to be. Four for four in Chicago. I, I don't know, um, but yeah, but I do. I do like the game. I like. I like. Uh, I've watched a lot more uh, college women's basketball. I really enjoy uh, watching the college women's tournament um, in March. So, uh, and you can hear some really great female announcers for that too. So, um, I really like the idea that the the Sixers were were willing to sort of, you you don't want to say stick their necks out and make this decision. Um, because I think that they probably vetted a whole lot of voices before they landed on on the decision that they did. But um, I'm glad that they are being open-minded and, um, you know, going with what they feel was the best option. Um, and I'm really excited to hear how she does. Me too. And, you know, Gene, you say you sort of walk back saying stick their necks out. Unfortunately, they did. And it, I mean, fortunately, they did. I'm, I'm happy that they they brought in Kate Scott, but it's it's not something that's going to be met with universal approval, unfortunately. Now, so they are they are taking a risk by doing this, but I think it's a small risk, and I think 
we are leaving behind the kind of people who say, I don't want to watch this. You know, there's a shot that, that Kate Scott might not be a good fit for Philadelphia. And if that happens, that happens. But I, I heard uh, some of her soccer calls, and I think she does a great job. I think she has a, a, a wonderful voice for it, a, a great cadence. And, you know, it's it's well past time for this to happen. It's well past time for Philadelphia to get a WNBA team. I I... There's been rumors of expansion. Philadelphia is a phenomenal basketball market. We have supported women's sports in the past, not terribly consistently, but we have. Um, we have. You know, I, yeah. Yep. 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 And it's. I would love to see it. I think it would bring in a lot of new fans. Uh, I'd I'd be going to games. Um, you know, I can only root for Sue Bird for so long. Um, <laughs> Because I am low key in love with Sue Bird, I know that she's engaged to Megan Rapino, but I don't really care. Um, but no, bring the WNBA to Philly, and you know that's all the time we have for tonight. That's a our our ending plea to whoever's listening. Well, we have two: one, uh, Keith Jones and Gretzky on TNT doing hockey; two, revamp the Phillies. Three, get a WNBA team in Philadelphia. Four, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to our show if you haven't already. If you have more time in your listening week, please check out The Whip Around, our sister show that covers all your weird and wild news. If you like sports, which obviously you do if you're still listening at this point, please check out the other shows on the Painted Lines Network. My name is Sarah Siders. His name is Gene Zelak. Convalescing in the corner is Dave DiOrio, and we'll see you all again next week. Have a great day at work, everybody.